We read in the second chapter of Luke, the very familiar story of Christmas, verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And that message that was given to those shepherds the night of Jesus' birth is still good news of great joy for all those who will believe. It is still the greatest need of our world, a world that is weary, a world that is lost. Jesus is the only hope, and he is the reason that we're here today. He is the reason that we have joy and we have hope. So we are so honored to welcome you here today. If you're visiting with us, we're especially glad to have you today, and I encourage you before you leave to please stop by our guest table located in the lobby, and you can pick up a guest bag there, and we'd encourage you also, if you would, fill out a guest card there. We would love to have a record of your visit to know how we can serve you better or answer any questions that you may have. But I'm going to ask you, to, if you would, to stand. And as you stand, I want to make a couple of announcements. Uh, first of all, uh, Christmas in Teville. Today is the last day that uh, we'll be taking funds for that project, that outreach uh, for this Christmas. So if you'd like to give, you can still give in the baskets at the back, or you can give online. There's a designation there in the drop-down menu as you give online. And uh, they have almost met all the needs that they have, but if you would still like to give to that, we would encourage you to do that. And also one little thing that's kind of new this year, um, in the lobby on the upper level, we have 20 art prints that are basically a chronological uh, biblical account of the Christmas story. And throughout the month of December, I would encourage you, especially if you have children, just take a minute on a Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon It'll be available next Sunday evening during our Christmas party just to take a walk uh, through the journey of the Christmas story uh, from Scripture and just a reminder of what this season is all about and it is a reason to celebrate. So I'm going to take you, encourage you to take just a second say hello to your neighbors as we prepare to worship.
good. Thank you. On Wednesday nights, we've been looking at uh, prayers in the Bible and God's command for us to pray. And I think this verse, or these verses out of Jeremiah 33, we looked at about two weeks ago. Listen to what the Bible says. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time, while he was still shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. So Jeremiah's in prison for preaching. And God comes to him a second time and says, I'm sovereign over everything. And then God says this to Jeremiah, and I'll say this to you this morning. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. How many things will God do this week because of the prayers you prayed last week? That's a question I ask myself all the time. What do I expect God to do this week because of the prayers I prayed last week? Isn't it amazing what God can do at this altar this morning? In your life, in the life of this church, I would encourage you to pray for your pastor this morning. Pray for this church service. But none of it is accomplished without prayer. So as the praise team leads us in this song, would you meet me here at the altar and let's pray together this morning. Lay down your Father, as we come to you in prayer, we acknowledge your sovereignty over all things. Father, we acknowledge your sovereignty and power over our lives. And Lord, your word says that you work all things together for good. To those who love God and are called according to your purpose, it doesn't mean all things are good, but Lord, you work them out. And Father, some of us in here this morning are, through that, are, are walking through that work it out phase. And Lord, I pray for strength and grace and mercy in their lives. Father, some of us here... And watching online needs your touch physically. And Lord, along with that comes your touch emotionally. Father, there are families uh, in this church congregation um, who are very are hurting very bad. And Lord, I pray that you'd touch their hearts and help in ways that only you can. Father, your word says your grace is sufficient. And I pray that they would experience that today and the rest of their life. Father, we just ask you to do that for them. Lord, you've asked us to call on you and... And, and, and ask you for great and mighty things, and Lord, we're doing that. Lord, I pray for healing for people. Father, I pray that for marriages here this morning, Lord, you're the answer for everything we face in our families. Father, I pray for children that are lost, that, Lord, you would save them. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, that you would appear so lovely, gracious, kind. Lord, that you would touch their hearts. Lord, only you can open the eyes of a spiritually blind person or a spiritually dead person. And Father, we pray that you would do that this morning for your honor and for your glory. We pray that you would be exalted in this service today. And I pray that we'd leave here praising the name of Jesus. In his name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you.
If you, have your, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 100. We'll be looking at Psalm 100 this morning. As you're looking there, I have a, just a couple of announcements that I really need to make. I hate to make announcements before I preach, but just a couple things. Uh, Trish Jones has asked me to mention that if you have sandals or Birkenstock, I think that's what they call it. I've never worn them. Uh, if you would see her, they need them for the play um, on the 19th. And Trish, will you raise your hand? She's back there in the back. If you'll see Trish Jones, just please see her. They really need those for the 
for the uh, musical that we're doing on December the 19th. Also, um, Class 101 is today, so if you're interested in church membership, just want to mention that it is a requirement to join. You do not have to join, of course. If you take the class, we will not pressure you to join. We won't even contact you if you don't want us to. But it would be a good time to go ahead and go through the class. It's at 5 o'clock, and if you will, park over here. Come through those double glass doors, and then the conference room is there on the right. And We'll start at 5 o'clock sharp, so please uh, come tonight. Even if you hadn't signed up, it's okay. You can come anyway. And then next week, we're going to have a boat. Uh, it'll be right after the church service is over. I'll call a meeting. We have our uh, quarterly business meeting as well, and we'll just add those two together. But at the end of the service, uh, you'll have... Um, uh, ballots on each side of the pew. We're going to ask you if you're a member to fill those out and then we'll just turn those in and then we'll go into our business meeting which will be just really, really brief. But if you've never been in the sanctuary, we know, we realize since COVID has started, we were in a parking lot, we came here in here in G, uh, July, I think, or June, uh, Father's Day actually, of, of last year. So some of you have never been in the sanctuary. After the service, if you'd like to go over there and see the sanctuary, uh, some of our staff will lead you over there and I, I think most of you have been over there but you can you can see the sanctuary because we realize that some of our visitors have never even been over there, especially some of you that have joined since then. So please be much in prayer about that. But that will take place next Sunday um, after the church service is over. All right, we've been looking at the life of David. Okay, We've been looking at the fact that David is Israel's greatest king, of course, greatest warrior, greatest musician, uh, greatest poet, uh, greatest uh, singer, also hit the greatest repenter. The last hymn we looked at that David wrote was Psalm 51. This one is when David is a little older in life, and he writes Psalm 100, a hymn of thanks. So if you'll stand with me, let's read these five verses together. These five verses, you just read them, and you're like, wow, you know, that's, 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 that's pretty good. They're very challenging, very challenging. Are you a thankful person? I think we'd all say we are, but are you? So we're going to look at, you know, the how of giving thanks, the why of giving thanks, and then who do we give thanks to? Three things this morning. Notice what David says. He says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve. Stop right there. You want to give thanks to God? You want to truly worship God? You, you do not truly worship the sovereign God of the universe unless you serve. You don't. You can raise your hands, you can shout, you can run the aisles, you can grab the Christian flag and wave it all you want to. You're not worshiping God unless you're serving. We're going to talk about that when David, look at the Hebrew word there, serve. It's in the English. You want to give thanks to God, you serve the Lord with gladness. Some of y'all need to start smiling now, okay? With gladness. Notice what David's saying. Every word in the Bible is important. Come before His presence with singing. You know what they're doing in heaven right now? They're not preaching. Cliff Barrows told Billy Graham, he said, what are you going to do in heaven? I know what I'm doing. i got a job. Billy Graham's not going to be preaching in heaven. We're going to be singing in heaven. They're singing in heaven now. And he says, come sing. Come before His presence with singing. And then no, look, we have a faith where you, you're continually learning. That's what the word disciple means. No, you should know that the Lord, comma, He is God. The covenant God made with Israel, He makes to the church. You should know that, He says. If so, you'll be thankful. It is He who made us, not ourselves. Very important word. He made us. We didn't make ourselves. He goes on to say this. 
we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That'll help your theology when you think we're all God's children. No, we're not. Nowhere is that in the Bible. If you can find it, you let me know, and I'll buy your lunch at Outback or wherever you want to go. Because it's not there. It is absolutely not. It doesn't matter what you think. God does not care about your opinion at all. We have a lot of Bible theologians in Alexander County, don't we, who never read their Bible. Isn't that amazing? People that never read their Bible are experts on the Bible. I'll just, I'll just take the Bible for what it says. Enter his gates, gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know, look at the word bless his name. It means to bow down, to bow, take the knee before the king. There are times in your life, and I'm not saying you do it in here, but there'll be times in your life when you're going to get on your knees before the Lord. Either you'll do it voluntarily or he'll do it for you. Bless his name. Bow down before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and bless his name. That's what God has called us to do. And here's why, three reasons. The Lord is good. We talk about that a lot in here. His mercy is everlasting. Praise his name. And his truth, look, endures for all generations. All over the planet. There's one book and one book alone that stands supreme. It has no equal. They've tried to contradict this book for years, but it cannot be contradicted. This book, His Truth, endures for all generations. We have a lot to be thankful for. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you for your word. Father, help us here at East Tellersville Baptist Church to be thankful people. Lord, you've blessed us so much individually. You've blessed us as a church. Father, I pray that we'd never take these times for granted. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Help us to never take a service for granted. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and do things that even a sermon and a song can't do. Father, you're sovereign and you can do all things, and I pray that you would do it in our hearts today. And I pray that this church would leave here a thankful, praising, worshiping people because we got a great God that we serve. And Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One person put it this way. He said this. Show this verse on the screen. We might think that the marks of a degenerate and depraved society would be murder and all sorts of perverse behavior. But according to Paul in his second letter to Timothy, a wicked and corrupt culture would be filled with people who are ungrateful. Paul puts it right there with all these other things. He says, in the last days, people will be ungrateful. And then it leads to all this. Unholy, brutal in their behavior, haters of good. Isn't that awful? I hate good. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of themselves. He also said they'd be given over to uh, doctrines of demons. They wouldn't like to hear the word preached. But it starts out with people being so ungrateful. Paul says, when you want to look at the progression or the degradation of a society, he goes to Romans 1. And he lists that progression. It starts this way. Notice what Romans 1 says. For even though they knew about God, all people do. There's no true atheist at all. The Bible says there's not. They did not honor him as God or give thanks. It's one thing for the pagan world to be that way. But my, 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 what a shame if the church is that way, right? It bothers me not what the world does. But what does God's people do? Peter says judgment begins in the house of God. Are we a thankful people? David, at this point in his life, says all I can do is just thank him. David's been this way in his life. You know who's been the one constant? The Lord. 
You know who forgave David? I don't know if his wife did. I have no idea. It's none of my business, right? I'm not getting in the middle of that. Are you? I'm not. I'm standing out of that. God did. Did David's kids love him as a dad? I don't know. God did. Did David's friends really love him? You know, that sermon I preached, who can you trust? Who can you trust, really? David could trust the Lord. And David gets to this point in his life, and he writes a psalm, five verses that are so wonderful. A psalm of thanks. Are you a thankful person? We're about to find out. Notice first in our text, notice the how of giving thanks. Okay, notice the first verse. When, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I went to Tampa, Florida. It was called Youth Specialties, and you could take breakout sessions. And there was a guy from Disney there. And I said, ah, oh, he's probably pretty smart. He works at Disney. He probably makes good money, blah, blah, blah. So we go in this room. And he says, I can teach you to do anything. He says, you can learn to do anything. It doesn't matter. He says, you, you can say you're not smart, but literally, I'm not talking about retaining knowledge. I'm just saying I can teach you to do anything. And he says, I'm going to show you. He says, how many of you can juggle? None of us could juggle. He says, I'm going to teach you to juggle three tennis balls in five minutes. Well, I started laughing. I said, I can't even clap on rhythm. I mean, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Do you realize that within five minutes, we were juggling three tennis balls like this? No lie. Can't do it now, but I did it then. David, in a few verses, is going to teach you how to give thanks. Notice the first thing he says this. Notice the verse, make a, this is really important, joyful. We should be the most thankful, joyful people on the planet. If you've been forgiven, if you've been reconciled, Think about what you've been forgiven of since you've been saved. The things nobody knows about but you, and God knows about it, and He loves you anyway, and He forgives you and cleanses you when you ask. We should make a joyful, look at the word shout. Now, when you think about that word shout, what David is alluding to back in his day was that whenever they would go, I'll liken it to this. If a sports team, whether it be Major League Baseball, the NBA, or NFL, if that team wins, that city has a parade, right? Hundreds of thousands of people will come out and make a joyful shout to their team. When World War II ended and the troops came home, massive parades in almost every city in America as it should be, right? You stopped Hitler. You stopped Japan. In David's day, when he came home, there was a joyful shout to the king because the Philistines were not going to rape and rob your wives and your kids. Big deal. And what David is saying is this. When you come into the presence of the Lord, you should make a joyful shout in your heart and with your mouth because you've been redeemed by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is your Savior. You should have a parade for God every Sunday. He should be the center of your t attention and the focus of your worship and your praise and your thanksgiving. So you should shout. Notice the second thing that David says. You should serve the Lord with gladness. The word serve means to work or labor for. To work or labor for. Your service to God is part of your worship. It's most of your worship. Your service to the Lord in your family in your workplace, the Bible says that when you go to work, work as unto the Lord in Colossians. You're, you're working for somebody, you're working for an organization, but you're working unto the Lord. That is worship. When you cut corners, if you call out all the time, I can't even count on my hands, on my, on my fingers, the number of times I ever miss work for any reason. 
When I worked outside of church, I wasn't on salary. If you didn't work, you didn't get paid. So I went to work, amen? And when I went into work, I tried to work as unto the Lord. I tried to make that my ministry without getting fired. I probably led more people to the Lord in secular work, almost, not as much, than I have in, in Christian work. Work as unto the Lord in your family, in your workplace, in your community, serve, and then in your church. Uh, if you, when you go to the sanctuary, and some of you I haven't been over in a long time, all right, the pews have, it's kind of a velvet thing, isn't it, Steve? And when you sit down and you stand up, you can tell you've been sitting down. I'll just leave it to your imagination. I mean, you just can. Right? I walk up there on Tuesday going, wow. All right. And I said this one time over there in the sanctuary. I went down on the front pew where I was sitting, where I sat, and I said, if that's the biggest mark I make on this church, shame on me. Shame on me if the biggest mark I make at East Hillsville Baptist Church is being a pew sitter. Shame on Jamie Steele. Been saved, been caught out of the darkness, been equipped like we all have with spiritual gifts. And if that's the biggest mark I make on this church, shame on me, amen? That is your worship. That is your worship. Paul said this, now think about this, people. I bear in my bodies, my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I got scars for Jesus. I'm not bragging. He says, present your bodies unto the Lord. It's your reasonable act of worship. It's your worship. See, especially when you serve in church, God will never ask you to do something you're not equipped to do. He just won't do it. It's, it's, it's not a square peg in a round hole. It's a hole in a hole. It's just, it is what it is. If God hadn't called you to teach, you're not going to teach. Don't teach. He hadn't called you to sing like Kayla did. I don't sing. You ever seen me sing? I'm not going to do it. All right. If he hadn't called you to preach, God help us all. Don't preach. All right. It's better to hear bad singing because it's over in five minutes than bad preaching because y'all going to preach an hour. Okay. We have to sit through it. Don't serve the Lord with, look, gladness. You should be happy to do what you do. I never dread doing what I do. Never. The scaredest person in Alexander County is me. I've got to come up here and speak to you and to whoever's watching online. The last thing in life I ever wanted to do whenever I was in high school was give oral report. I hated it. And I told the Lord when he saved me, I'll do anything but speak publicly. And that's what I'm doing all the time. All right? But it's, 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 not, a, it's not a square peg in a round hole. It's just not, it just flows. It don't mean you're going to be the best. It don't mean you're going to have the biggest church. It don't mean everybody's going to like you. It don't mean people won't leave. It don't mean people, a ton of people. It just is what it is. That's what God's called you to do. But you, start, you, you, do, you not only shout to the king because of all that he's done for you. It's like a parade every Sunday when you come in here. It should be. Because of what he's done for you. Right? But you serve the Lord with gladness. Make a commitment in your life. Not to go throughout your life. And I, I'm not just talking about in church because there's only so many things you can do in church. But don't be a pew setter in your family your workplace, your community. Serve the Lord with gladness. That, you're worshiping God when you serve. You praise the Lord in here. You worship God when you serve. You say, well, my job, worship. you can worship God with your job. Trust me, some, some, of the, some of the best leaders in this church run businesses, okay? And use their businesses to honor God. Some of the men I respect the most are not preachers. Mm-mm. No, they're in this church. 
and they honor God with their lives. They serve the Lord, worship the Lord with their work, with what they do. So thank you so much for that. Serve the Lord with gladness, and then this is what God has called us all to do. If you want to thank God, come before His presence with singing. Listen to this. There is a special call that we, as we come into God's specially appointed worship as a church, that our mouths should be filled with His praises. It's not limited to church, of course. You can sing anywhere. As a matter of fact, we, we, we're reminded of Paul and Silas. They understood this in Acts 6, 25, 16, 25, when they were thrown in prison. The Bible, listen, I'm just going to read this to you. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged publicly, they were beaten, okay, for, for their faith in Christ. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. His life depended on those guys staying in jail. When he received the orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. The jailer woke up, and when he saw, and what happened was an earthquake happened as they were singing. Then the jail doors opened up, and Paul and Silas came out. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are, we are all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked this question, the greatest question that you could ever ask. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Heard them singing praises to God and said, what must I do to be saved? He went from suicidal to I need to be saved. And they replied, and this is so simple. You want to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Trust in Him. All that came about from two guys singing. Isn't that amazing what singing can do? One scholar put it this way, Our shouts, in verse 1, were turned to song. Music is the form through which we often express our gladness, our joy, and our praise. Our songs are not to create our gladness, but to express it. Through our singing, we approach God. It is fit anticipation for heaven. There are 575 references to praise singing and music are found in the Bible. At the very center of the Bible is the book of Psalms, the book of praises. From the beginning, music has been an essential link between God and His children. Throughout history, music has played an important and essential part of our worship. One pastor said, this, said it this way, across the sea in England, music is in every culture. While it has been perverted and depraved, of course, misused and abused, music will clearly have a permanent place in heaven. Revelation 5, the Bible says this. And when he had taken it, talking about the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Revelation 14, the Bible says this. Then I looked... John looking. And there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne. Revelation 15, and I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, 
because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw and it looked like a looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image, and over the number of its name, and they held harps given to them by God, and they sang the song of God's servant Moses unto the Lamb. Revelation nineteen. After this I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are His judgments. So what are they doing in heaven? They're singing a lot in heaven. They're singing thanks and praise to the Lord. When they brought the ark back, David probably is reminded of this. In First Chronicles 13, when, when Israel got the ark back, the Bible says this, then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, with all their might, with singing on harps, on string instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and on trumpets. Think about that. Somehow about 40% of churchgoers seem to have picked up the idea that singing in church is for singers. The truth is, is that singing is for believers. So you want to give thanks to God? The how of it is to shout, to serve, and to sing. Now notice here the why of thanksgiving. Notice the verse on the screen. The first thing is this. It is He who made us. He made us. One scholar put it this way. Apart from redemption, apart from being a Christian, there should be the recognition of the fact that we did not make ourselves. We also weren't made by a cosmic accident and the result of millions of years of aimless chaos. Rather, the fact that we are personal and display intelligence shows that we have been created by a personal and intelligent God. When he says no, it is a call to remember and respond appropriately. The fact that you exist itself is sufficient reason to worship and thank God. That's why I say this all the time. Every child born of God, no matter the circumstances, is a unique gift from God. Because He is sovereign and He made us. And when, it, when, it, when you look at the word He, it points to Jesus. Colossians 1, 16, 17 says, For in Him all things were created, talking about Jesus, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things holds together. The reason we should shout today and give thanks is because God is our Creator. He told the prophet Jeremiah when he talks about making us, listen to what God told Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a plan for you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Because I created you in your mother's womb. David, thinking about this as well in Psalm 139, says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then in Psalm 100, verse 3, he says, We praise the Lord because it is He who has made us, not we ourselves. This is true of all people. When one, one pastor put it this way, The fact that you could mumble or not even mouth the words of praise in this worship service shows great lack of gratitude to your Creator. Even apart from salvation, it is a great transgression against this God to not be thankful and acknowledge Him. But the second thing is this. Not only is He our Creator, but He is our Shepherd. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We are His, not just His creation, 
but we are his children. We are his sheep. Notice it's personal, his sheep and the sheep of his pasture. Notice what Jesus said in John 10, 25 through 30. Jesus answered them and said, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. You're not, my, you're not God's child, he's saying. That's very important because Jesus would say, without a doubt, without blinking an eye, we're not all God's children. We're all God's creation. Verse 3 of Psalm 100 tells us that. But we're not all God's peop- people. In verse 27 he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus said at the end of time in Matthew 7 that many people will come before him and say, Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do all these things in your name? And Jesus will say this, Verily, verily, you better listen up. Depart from me, I never knew you. You may know him, but does he know you? He says, I never knew you, but he says about his sheep, he says this in verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish. His sheep will not perish. Unbelievers will perish. My Father who has given them, them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Are you a child of God? Notice what John 1 says. Jesus says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him, and, he did, and the world did not recognize him. And what John is saying is this, Jesus made the world, Jesus came to the world, and the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. He came to Jerusalem and Israel, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Look at the word become. That means you are something now that you weren't before. To become what? Children of God. You can give thanks today because God is your Father. Children not born of natural descent, which means just because you're born, you're not a child of God. Nor of human decision, your parents can't make you children of God. All right, Or of a husband's will. A husband can't say his wife's a child of God. Because in those days, you know how the hierarchy structure worked in the home. But, born of God. Have you been born again today? Do you realize that you can be saved right now? And your salvation is eternal. Your forgiveness is eternal. The Bible says that in the courts of heaven you'll be justified by faith for all eternity. That is irrevocable. It cannot be reversed. By placing your faith in the resurrected Christ. And then you become a child of God. Until then you're not. It doesn't matter what the world says. The world's ignorant. Natural man cannot understand spiritual things. Stop listening to pagans. And get in your Bible. Amen? We're not all children of God. There's nowhere in the Bible. But if you are His child, you should be the person who gives thanks. Why should we give thanks? Because He made us. Because we're His children. And then the final thing is this. The who of our thanksgiving. Notice what the Bible says real quickly. David says this. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. Bow before Him. Bless His name. Just kneel before your king, for he is good. Let me ask you a question. 
Has there ever been anybody in your life that was good to you at all times? They're just good. Think about it. You don't got to answer, but think about it. I don't know how many times I have preached funerals in this church, even in this building, where a husband will die and the wife will look at me and say, I want you to understand one thing, preacher. He was good to me. Can you say anything better than that about your spouse? I've had men say that to me as well. She was good to me. She was a good wife. I've had children say he or she was a good dad or mom. Some people have never had that. I don't know if David had that with his dad or with his wife or with his children. I don't know. But he did with the Lord. My grandfather was the best man I've ever known. He was good to me all the time. Through the good and the bad in my life, he was the best man in my wedding. The closest thing I could think to of this word good, that word means he's good, he's the best, excellent, praiseworthy, someone you'll remember, someone whose graveside you'll go back to. Of course, we don't go to the Lord's. David said this, Give thanks to him, bless his name, because he is good. I love how one pastor put it. Our God is not arbitrary. We are. He isn't sometimes good and sometimes bad. He is not good by some sort of outside or external standard. He is the very definition of good. He is right. He is righteous. This word could be translated pleasant, agreeable, excellent, all times, at all times. This isn't merely what he does. This is who he is. Even in our circumstances, he's good. Some of us will find out this year, or next year, this year's coming to a close, that God works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose. Is God good? Oh, yeah, he's really good. He's good. That's why the psalmist says, taste and see. David said that, that the Lord is good. If he's good, then you should bless his name and you should be a, live a thankful life before him. Not only this, but his mercy is everlasting. What, what the term mercy means, it's a legal term, which means God's not going to give you what you deserve. Aren't you thankful? L let me say that again. God is not going to give you what you deserve if he shows mercy to your life. The woman caught in adultery. What does the law say? Jesus showed her mercy. Go and sin no more, he, he said. How many times has God shown you mercy in your life? Mercy when other people didn't. Show, he, he's shown you mercy. God's mercy includes reconciliation and forgiveness. And this mercy, we're told, is everlasting. It's perpetual and unrelenting. This is good news when we sin and fail to do what God calls us to do. Listen to this, dear Christian. You, when you mess up and you will, people may talk about you and forsake you, lie to your face, gossip about you, because this is Alexander County. Put it on Facebook. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful for social media when you mess up? Who can you trust? Who can you go to? Him. He will show you mercy. You know, I've gotten to the point in my life, I really don't care what anybody thinks about me but Jesus. I really don't care. I got skin like a rhino and try to have a soft heart. I don't care. I really don't care. I've got to the point, if you think I care, you're badly mistaken because I do not. When I look in the mirror and I can, when, when I look in the mirror and I know who I am, why do I care what you think? I don't. I have no, I have, I don't. I just don't care. Somebody said, did you hear what so-and-so said? I said, I don't care. I don't even know him. Why do I care? But I care what he thinks. He's the only one. 
That's why the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion, and then the unrighteous, they run when nobody's coming. Because who cares what your neighbor thinks? Now, you want everybody to like you, don't you? If you're not being gossip about, you're not doing a whole lot anyway. But I just don't care. You don't got to text me and tell me. I, I'm like, I don't care. I really don't. I'm not being cocky or arrogant. I tell people all the time, the scaredest guy in Alexander County is me. I've said that before, before I preach. But I don't care what you think. I really don't. And you shouldn't care what people think. All you should care about is him. What does God think? And his mercy is everlasting. Throughout, you know what they're singing in heaven? They're singing about his mercy. Not only have we been redeemed, but, oh, the Lord showed mercy. Think about David. We've read some bad things in David's life, and God showed him great mercy. Everybody talked about David, but the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart. Nobody's perfect, right? But God showed him great. You are going to need mercy. Trust me. Be careful what you say about another person because it may come back to you real quick. I've seen some people humbled in this county. Trust me. Be careful what you say. Why don't we lift people up instead of kick them? Amen. You know what the, what, what, what the Bible tells us to be? Not only love our neighbors, but show mercy to our neighbors. So when you think about putting somebody's drama on social media, don't do that. Please, act like Jesus. They're probably going through a hard enough time anyway. Have you ever been in court news? Oh, I have. Before I become a Christian. Oh, yeah. Not fun. I'm glad social media wasn't around when this old boy was 20. Amen. Listen, let's be more like Jesus. If he's shown you mercy, Jeremiah said this, his mercies are new every morning. Aren't you thankful? Every morning. And then the final thing is this, his truth and his alone, his endures to all generations and for all time. There's one, there's one book that's going to last forever, and it's the book we preach here. This is it. We don't got nothing else to preach. We don't preach nothing else. This is it. You know, in our new members class, I, I, I just tell people, if you don't like the Bible, don't come here, because we exposit Scripture here. That's all we do. There'll be topical messages from time to time. That's fine. We just exposit Scripture here, because His truth endures to all generations. Mine doesn't. Yours doesn't. Opinions come and go, fads come and go, but his truth endures to all generations. I like what Dustin Bidge said. I shared this this week, I think it was. The Bible is 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, and every word is inerrant, infallible, authoritative, sufficient, and God's words are for eternal life. This book is amazing. One, one pastor said this, The last thing the psalmist mentions is in relationship to God's word. Despite the fact that everyone from academics to the man on the street are denying the existence of truth, something that is absolute and above and beyond us, that gives definition and direction to all of reality, is the truth of God. And it continues on. In the sight of God, all the activities done that try to deny truth are like little people with Nerf hammers trying to destroy a mountain. After they wielded their weapons and walk away feeling victorious, God's truth stands as steadfast as ever. 
Jesus in his great priestly prayer in John 17 says, Thy word is truth. The only truth that we have that lasts for all the generations is this one. It is the final authority on every subject in life. This has been a rock in my life. A rock. It has given the depressed hope. It has helped lost people become saved. It has taken uh, people who were very ignorant in their life spiritually and turned them into spiritual giants. It don't happen without this book. And His truth endures for all. So every time I come to church, I'm just so th- I just thank God for this. I thank God for it. And if I die tomorrow and y'all hire some dude that don't preach this book, I'm coming back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> this book, our Sunday school teachers teach this book. All right? When we sing, we sing this book, basically. This book, His Truth Endures for All Generations. I'm going I'm to ask our musicians to come. And what I'd like for us to do this morning is this. I'm not going to give a long invitation. But if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I would say this as they come, that if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in the Lord, that today is a day of salvation. You don't have to come to this altar. You don't have to talk to anybody else. God knows your heart. If the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart, just say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. I give my life to you. I believe that you died for my sin, rose from the dead, and I place my faith and trust in the resurrected Christ as my Savior and His alone. And if you're here today, listen, Christians we got a lot to be thankful for. Why don't you just spend just a few moments quietly, you don't have to say this out loud, and just thank your God for what He's done for you. Just thank Him. Think, think back over this past year and just thank Him. Some of you have delivered healthy babies, praise the Lord. Some of you, God's brought you through some deep, dark roads. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Some of you have had children to get saved. Loved ones. Thank the Lord. Some of you have gotten good reports at the doctor. Thank. Some of you have gotten bad reports and God's been with you. Thank the Lord for that. Fathers, we come to you, come to you in prayer. Forgive us for ever being ungrateful. Not just during church, but Lord, every day of our lives. Lord, you've blessed us. you put us in pleasant places. We live in Alexander County, in North Carolina, in the United States of America. How blessed are we? Father, you've given us a great church here. It's got a great history, a great legacy of men and women who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus, who have followed your leadership throughout the years. And Lord, we make a place to you today that we're going to continue to do that. And we're going to thank you for what you do. And Father, we love you and praise you and give you the honor and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together. Amen. If you'll stand with us, we're going to sing a verse of a song. And then you'll be dismissed. If you want to go over to the sanctuary, uh, we'll meet you over there. All right. Thank you. God bless you.
great 